Katanji Brown said, uh, I got a thousand dollar floral arrangement from Oprah Winfrey. And I have to let you know that she sent that to me when I was confirmed and I accepted it from Oprah Winfrey. Wow. thousand dollars. There is no baby's breath in that arrangement. Welcome to episode 42 of Off the Charts, a stellar newscast. I'm your co-host and producer, Whitney McKnight, in Missoula, Montana. And I am joined from New York by my colleague, co-host, and fellow astrologer, Elizabeth Grace, with news and astrological commentary for the week of June 26th. Hello, Elizabeth. How are you? How I'm doing is I'm recovering from spending 17 hours working as a poll worker uh, yesterday. There was a primary election here in New York, uh, and um, it was a long day, but it was a lot of fun. And I just tried to make people feel really good about coming out to vote, even for something as seemingly unimportant as a primary election for city council members and a district attorney. Um, I just, that's, that's, I just, I love to do it. I love to make people feel good that they show up. Poll working, get out and vote because if you don't vote, somebody else will. And then you'll be really sorry. So that's my that's my advice. So I'm going to tell folks who we are. Elizabeth and I are both renegades from corporate media. We report and analyze the cosmic impulses behind the news. We offer you an alternative to the corporate media model that manipulates you into working against your best interests. We bring you news from the ensouled universe, where cycles within cycles suggest there is a greater consciousness unfolding us. It's moving through us and around us, and it is a larger intelligence that extends beyond what any of us could ever possibly imagine. And the goal of this newscast is for you to gain a level of confidence that regardless of what the media might be saying, there are always deeper rhythms and patterns afoot, and they can be anticipated, even if not controlled. When you lean on your own powers of observation and not let the media be the media and tell you what you're supposed to think. My personal goal to that end is to help you rise above the chaos that we're supposed to be alarmed by and instead find hope and calm. You can learn more about our mission statement by visiting ensouled.substack.com and ensouled is E-N-S-O-U-L-E-D. Okay, so in this episode, our top story is this week's Supreme Court Decision rejecting the independent legislature theory. It's a specific example of a general prediction that Elizabeth and I made last episode. And also, Elizabeth has some other stories for you. What are you going to talk to us about? I don't remember that you told me. Well, you want to talk about the top story here, which was actually like a huge sigh of relief uh, because amazingly, it there were many pundits who were wondering with nail biting anticipation if the Supreme Court was going to say that state legislatures could just kind of make it all up as they go along without <laughs> well, like, or something like that. I mean, something to so the effect we, of, we'll get we'll get to that because we, we are know, going deeply into that. Do you have any other stories? Are there any other headlines? Oh, my God. Well, just to, OK, so here's what I wrote. So we are recording this on Wednesday, the 28th of June in the evening. So a lot has happened this week. And the, the basic flavor of this week, uh, in sum, uh, I'm going to quote from my forecast. This is what I said. 
y'all were going to be dealing with this week. Another week of action with projects coming together seemingly, seamlessly, with great cooperative spirit, some of it mystical and magical, and some of it rather bewildering. Now, if your horoscope is personally affected by this week's patterns, you may be off to the races. So we have, it's really interesting because next week, exact planetary connections aspects is the is the technical term are minuscule there's hardly anything going on in terms of exact contacts with the planets but this week we have i've called them out i do this uh, every every monday i call them all out we have seven patterns that are driving the action this week and one planet neptune which refers to visions and dreams and the surreal and oceans and faith and scandal and conspiracy theories. It is slowing to a virtual standstill from our perspective here on earth as it prepares to turn retrograde on Friday. And so it's, and and that has been, that's been driving so many stories, anything that just seems, you know, oceans, drugs, conspiracy. It's just been, all over the place. Meanwhile, highly cooperative plant. We talked last week we t- for patron sub- subscribers, but this is an important recap for people who didn't hear it. Monday before last, we had a very important alignment between Jupiter, the planet of expansion and growth, and Saturn, the planet of structure and expansion. And Whitney was absolutely spot on, brilliantly pointing out that This is the first time that these two planets in their cycle, their little dance, that every pair of planets does a little dance, like in the way that the sun and the moon do a little dance every 28 days. Every pair of planets has their own cycle of timing. And what Whitney was telling everybody last week was that this particular connection between Jupiter the planet of expansion and growth, and Saturn structure was the first time since December 21st, 2020, that that these two planets could were actually connected. And what we expected was a rush of activity on the seeds that were planted on December 21st, 2020, which has to do with all the stuff we've been talking about for the past year since we've been doing this podcast about the new age of air. Yeah, it has this unfortunate name called the great mutation. And people just think that means that we're all going to finally find out that we actually were created by an alien race, which, you know, I have which my could happen. <laughs> I have my theories anyway, but that's not what the great mutation means. <laughs> Wanted to explain. A mutation is to change form, to take a, a leap into a new, in astrology, element So for the past 200 years, the structure, what was driving the rules of the game, the secret of success for 200 years was driven by business cycles in the element of earth. Whoever dies with the most toys wins. Whoever can maximize and exploit and mine the earth. And now... This has shifted, so for the next 198 years, because we're already two years into this, um, the key to everybody's success is the air and networks, and there is a humanitarian component to this process. 
to this. Well, to this, I, I'm, I, I'm sorry to step in, but this idea. No, please do, because I've the, been the talking. Key, the, keys, <laughs> the, the keys to everyone's success. I, I take exception with that because as I mentioned in the last episode, you know, you had asked me on the off the cuff, you had said to me, what do you think these planetary patterns are going to mean for the U.S.? And, you know, usually we prepare. And I was like, well, you didn't tell me you were going to ask me that. So <laughs> I figured it out kind of on the fly. And I, I was you were talking about uh, Mars and Venus, Venus going retrograde in Leo. And um, I don't remember all the configurations, but it was um, happening in the 10th house of the Sibley chart for the U.S. And I said, you know, the first thing that came into my mind is we will redefine what it means to be successful mm-hmm. because, you know, success in our world for too long. And typically with the focus being on the material as the way that, as you just said, the person with the most toys wins, that's too linear, you know, just consume, 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 consume. And, and it doesn't allow us any opportunity to reflect to be cyclical, to, you know, pay attention to the seasons and be informed by that. And why can't success be defined by how in tune you are with the elements around you? I mean, whatever, whatever your definition is, but we've been given just this one definition. So when you say the secret of everyone's success will be the air, I, I don't know about that. I think what I am convinced is going to happen though, is there's going to be a power grab (laughs) because the same people who are accustomed to dominating the material, which is the element of earth, they're going to now see, oh, well, it's shifting to the air and they're going to try and stay in power by controlling the air. The thing is, as you're about to say, Pluto moving into Aquarius means, you know, that's just probably going to be full of surprises for the powerful. Yes. Okay. So I would add to that I guess, and there was a particular story that I thought was uh, evocative of this manifestation of, okay, this is this is the seeds planted starting to blossom. What I mean by the element of air is, yeah, whoever controls the information, the education, and how people think about things, right. Yes. is going to is going to have an advantage in asserting their agenda. So we're Which talking is about so that is the reason why this show is so cutting edge. Truthfully, I mean, sorry if I'm patting myself on the back for having come to you and said let's do this thing. But if the mission statement is to help people understand that there are patterns behind the scenes and that you can anticipate them and that really this is about learning to develop and use your own powers of observation, you're that much further ahead in the game that is going to get played as people try and manipulate and control what we think. Yes, 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 yes. But a bonus potential here, like on another way, another key to success because this great mutation, this meetup, this conjunction of Jupiter and Saturn, that their cycle is 20 years. So every 20 years, they're going to meet up in a different sign. So it, it happened in Aquarius, which is a humanitarian cooperative. Hey, let's get all our best buddies together and network and innovate for humanity. Not so much the corporate stuff that Pluto and Capricorn is interested in. Right. So one particular example that I thought was awesome for this potential was the announcement last week that this section here in the United States of I-95 in Philadelphia, a major U.S. thoroughfare, 
just, you know, there was a fire underneath it, truck blew up, this bridge collapsed, and they thought this stretch of road was going to be out for months. They put it together in something like, was it, I mean, was it like 12 days or something that they reopened it? And how they how they put how they managed they built a temporary road a temporary six lane highway, and the way they did it was like they pulled in all kind. I mean, this is based on an investment in infrastructure that was made on the seeds of this Jupiter Saturn conjunction in Aquarius by the, you know the Biden administration pushed through this focus and we're going to rebuild our structures and we're going to network our way into success. I, I, I just, I thought this was astonishing. Well, be, be more specific because I'm actually not following how that's about air. I guess you're saying it's about I'm the saying people, It's Aquarius. It's, aqua- yeah. it's, it's how they networked it. Yeah. But the interesting thing to me though, is infrastructure, as far as I'm concerned, unless we're talking about like the, um, the internet, I always think of infrastructure as taking care of the material because roads are material and that sort of thing. So maybe it's that, um, handover. I've been thinking a lot about that actually, because, you know, I work a lot with trees and I'm outdoors a lot. And I think from a philosophical perspective, it's curious to me that at the time of the great mutation, where we're thinking more about air, it seems like earth is not not important it, it's there's i'm wondering how it will end up playing out you know i spend a lot of time outdoors and it seems to me this seems right and this seems like i'm actually doing something future focused but i do know that it's the air that is now where uh where power is going to be seated but yeah so so the question um that i was asking you is um this i-95 story is this pluto and aquarius or is this great mutation it sounds more like pluto and aquarius well, it's Aquarius. Pluto was on zero degrees of Aquarius until ever so recently, until I think the eleventh. Yeah, and, and that's so. Where, and that's I think, and that's, and that's when the, the, the. I mean, it was amazing. This fire and this collapse of the bridge happened literally minutes, like less than an hour after Pluto backed in back into Capricorn. Yeah. It, it was the exact degree where the Jupiter exact degree. So it goes, into, it goes into a Capricorn and the infrastructure collapses a major thoroughfare. It was, it was, you're just like, really? But they put it back together in 12 days on the, uh, with this, this approaching sextile, this cooperative spirit between business, Jupiter is in Taurus. That's earthy. That's let's re let's build back better. Saturn is in Pisces. Everybody, I don't know what that has to do with with anything. I guess, but there was an incredible cooperative spirit about rebuilding this highway. No, I that is exactly. Aqua- that is Aquarian. That is very Aquarian, and it's. I think it's an example of the upside potential of having this new business cycle, this new two hundred year, you know, you know, approach. You know, let's all get along. Let's pull our resources to, together. I mean, they went when I thought it was really cool. They actually borrowed, um, they borrowed a drying machine from a local raceway. Mars was squaring Uranus, so this innovative approach. It, it, you know, it's like they, 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 everybody came together to, yeah, to build well, that's, something as that's opposed what, to it. That's what Saturn in Pisces 
matters that you said you don't know what that has to do with anything but that's part of the the vibe here is that saturn is in a jupiter ruled sign and this is what we were saying last episode was going to start manifesting was this idea that saturn who is looking to jupiter because from my perspective saturn is visiting jupiter's feminine temple because that's what pisces is and saturn is saying Hey, I still got a Saturn, you know, Saturn got a Saturn. Saturn. I got a structure. I got, I got to set boundaries somehow, but I can't do anything unless Jupiter is on board with it. Not just that it's more subtle than that. It's, I got to do what I got to do because I'm Saturn and I'm looking for a way to put a structure in place, but I've only got whatever is in the, the cupboard at Jupiter's house. And Jupiter's like, I'm abundant. I'm benefic. I'm all about justice. I'm all about make it right. And Saturn says, oh, I can use that. I'll figure that out. (laughs) And And then we had these supportive aspects from such as Mars and Uranus. So because Saturn is looking to put something in place and Jupiter says, make it right, make it good, make it abundant, make it the best for everybody. They look at what's happening between Uranus and Mars and it's like, make it crazy different. <laughs> Let's go borrow a massive drying machine. From the local raceway. Anyway, I just, I found that story delightful and just like, wow, really? We, we really can do amazing things when we all work together, which is the power to the people of Pluto in Aquarius amplifying because it's sitting it's activating that the where the point where Jupiter and Saturn came together Jupiter and the Saturn this business cycle this new this great mutation Pluto is activating that point because it's in the, because it's now at you know within range of 0 degrees of Aquarius so but that brings us back to the top story which yes. is this about uh, the Supreme Court. So I don't know if you wanted to set that up, but- No, you really- set it up. Set it up and remind everybody why um, the fact that this happened is something that could have been anticipated. And in fact, it was. Yeah, because we were talking last episode about Saturn being in a Jupiter-ruled sign and Jupiter being in a Venus-ruled sign, uh, that being Taurus. And whenever a planet is in Pisces, um, it will do something that astrologers call exalt the planet of Venus because a technical schematic where certain planets in certain signs receive certain perks <laughs> by their host planet. Um, and in this case, uh, whenever um, a planet is in Pisces, they find that they are uh, looking to Venus through the eyes of Jupiter and Jupiter loves Venus for her symbiotic qualities to that sense of um, love and harmony and everybody getting along in a more spiritual or loving kind of way, which is the nature of Pisces. We have all of this mutual reception, another astrological term, where um, Jupiter is ruling, we say Saturn, because Saturn is visiting Jupiter's home, feminine home, and Venus is exalted there. And Venus is also ruling Jupiter. So there's this extremely cooperative harmony between these three planets who are all looking to get something done. And we talked about how Jupiter um, probably was going to bring us justice because Saturn is about 
the law and Jupiter is about cosmic justice. So we have these two working together, but there is that beneficence of Venus wanting everybody to have it be fair and sweet and harmonious and not rancorous. And I said, and it was at the same time that we heard about um, Justice Alito's bizarre rant (laughs) that was pre-buttling an article coming out exposing his very similar to Clarence Thomas um, acceptance of some rather lavish gifts from billionaires who have a lot of business before the Supreme Court and oops, forgot to tell everybody. And I said, you know, this particular planetary pattern to me says we're going to start finding out a lot more things. And particularly with Uranus co-present with Jupiter in Venus's sign of Taurus, because Uranus brings shocks to the status quo. And the Supreme Court just thinks apparently that they're above it. Clutch your pearls. I know this is going to upset people. Ruth Bader Ginsburg and all the rest of the justices have to have known the extent to which this kind of pay-to-play BS was going on. And sure enough, there I sent you that article. <laughs> There's a lot more evidence coming out that all of these Supreme Court justices are aware. You've got Elena Kagan, who would not accept a basket of bagels from like her high school class or something because she didn't want it because she just said, I cannot do this. Right. And, and Katanji Brown said, uh, I got a thousand dollar floral arrangement from Oprah Winfrey. And I have to let you know that she sent that to me when I was confirmed and I accepted it from Oprah Winfrey. Wow. A thousand dollars. It was a thousand dollar flower arrangement. It must have been amazing. I know you know something of this, so you can imagine. There was no baby's breath in that arrangement, I'm going to tell you, and no mums. I don't know, but there was an article in the paper today because I thought about you when I saw it where they were going. I mean, I wrote about this because this happened when I was, I wrote about this. Justice Scalia died on a transit in his horoscope when he was, you know, he had a heart thing, but he was having a really good time, you could see. And he he was on a ranch in West Texas that he'd been invited to private. Mm-hmm. It was the same kind of thing. So this is not, this is, this no, is and he Sarah was Ruth Kins- Bader Ginsburg's best friend. And he court. was Ruth Bader Ginsburg's best friend. So Ruth, RBG knew that, you know, Tony was out there hanging with his besties uh, in West Texas at an exclusive dude ranch that you and I would never be invited to. So, yeah. So, yeah, we just she absolutely had to have known that there was some funny business going on. But anyway, the the bottom line to the planetary context here is, is that we were saying there's going to be a lot more pressure on the status quo where justice is concerned in this country to just quit the garbage and start really and truly being for the people and and Saturn and Jupiter and Venus would be working to exp- with the background of Uranus there'd be ex- some shocks and then some actual application of new structures or testing of old structures to ensure that true justice would would reign and then what happened was we had a case that was heard in December of last year. And that'd be interesting to actually look at the chart for when that was heard. Uh, I don't think I did that. I don't have a chart for that. But this week, the Supreme Court issued their decision on the um, on the case. And since I have been going on, I'm going to turn it back over to you. Explain to us what the topic was or what the explain to us what the case was. This is a case where there was a real fear that this rogue Supreme Court would overturn yet another years and years and years of precedent and say that, oh, yeah, states, 
you can do whatever you want when it comes to a federal election, which is not Aquarius. That's not humanitarian. Well, and that's it's not been- that's not out of one, you know, out of many one. That's not the United States with its moon in Aquarius, which says we all rec- recognize our social significance and unique character, but we are unified and we put the whole, the sum, you know, the, the whole is, the sum is greater. The, what is it? The whole is greater than the sum of the parts. So this, if they had gone, if they had, um, if they had gone along with this idea that the state legislatures could just do whatever they wanted when it comes to federal elections and didn't have to pay attention to their courts or anything else, you would have threatened the whole Aquarian nature of the United States. And we had been saying, look, the new paradigm is Aquarian in nature. So yeah, there may be some rebels here and then, here and there, but ultimately power to the people, power to the whole, well, power I also, for the greater good. We need to be clear on why this was a real nail biter of a case. If they had decided that it was okay for state legislatures to have unfettered authority to regulate federal elections, Mm -hmm. which is Mm -hmm. what the Republicans and they were the it was the case was Republicans in the state of North Carolina sued because the um, they had gerrymandered, which means they had basically rewritten the maps, the actual census numbers be damned and the actual electorate being evenly split as Democrat Mm -hmm. and Republican be damned. They they rigged the map, the voting mm-hmm. map, the electoral the electoral districts, such that even though it's about 50-50 when it comes to um, registered Democrats and registered Republicans, that out of 14 districts, 10 would go to Republicans. And mm-hmm. even, even the state of North Carolina said, you can't do that. This is the ridiculous. state Supreme Court rejected it. Yeah, the state yeah. Supreme Court and they rejected said, the map. Wah, and, wah, wah. and so they took it to the Supreme Court. But the the reason that this was scary in its timing is, is that it was coming along on the heels of the insurrection on January sixth. Mm-hmm. I know we have listeners who don't believe that that it was an insurrection. I'm sorry, it was an insurrection. You don't have to like that I say it that. It was but, an insurrection. It was definitely a coup attempt. And so if it were that the Supreme court had said, yeah, states should have all that power, then any state that had already been gerrymandered into being in Republican hands, well, of course, when they don't like the electoral decisions, they're going to strike it down. So the more power that the Republicans have been able to get at the state level, they were hoping to parlay into power over actual federal election results, Mm -hmm. which they figured, well, we'll do it this way since we didn't manage to get it done through a coup. Mm -hmm. That's really the context that this is happening in. And that's why it was such an important decision. Yeah. And, and this, here's this and here's why this is why planetarily it makes sense too. Yes. Given the planets we've already outlined. The, the planets are saying, no, we must we must consider the whole thing here, not not just the individual factor. It's out of out of out of many one. But the thing that's really um food for thought is that while the Supreme Court was figuring out what to do about this particular case, they let the gerrymandered maps stand in the 2022 elections. And I think that also applies in Alabama as well. I think I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, there there's more than one state where that had these similar issues and the Supreme, the, the Supreme court did not make them change the districts. Now they have to, but because these heavily gerrymandered 
districts were in place in the midterms, it is possible that this is why the Republicans were able to, well, that it contributed to their ability to win control of the House. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's also worth noting who um, who dissented. (laughs) Right. Chief Justice John Roberts wrote the majority opinion, which did not include Justice Clarence Thomas, Justice Samuel Alito, nor Neil Gorsuch, although it did include Brett Kavanaugh, which I find very interesting because I know that we've been tracking his chart and you can tell us about the coming shocks and surprises for that guy. But I'm wondering if he felt some pressure to like stop being such a... (laughs) A flagrant shill. <laughs> I'm wondering what what Brett Kavanaugh has going on is so he's going through his second Saturn return, so he's growing up, you know, maybe in a position to take on some real authority. I'm sorry, I thought that it was your first Saturn return where you're supposed to grow up. <laughs> Are you saying he missed, he missed out the first time around? Maybe he's going to get. Maybe he's just going to get sober. I don't know. You you grow up again. You get a new lease on life. You 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 look at the past 28 years of your life. And you say, all right, was this fulfilling? Do I like what I've accomplished? Okay, I've got a lot of thought done materially. Now what? What am I going to do next? Because it has to be meaningful on an emotional and spiritual level. That's the theory. And you end up downsizing outmoded forms. But what's interesting about Kavanaugh is that Kavanaugh was born February 12, 1965 in Washington, D.C. We don't have a birth time. I wish we did. His son is at 23 degrees of Aquarius. Which means that Uranus, the planet of change and disruption, is bearing down, making contact with his Aquarius sun. So one potential manifestation is he becomes more independent. He rebels against whatever people think he's going to do. Mm. And he is, and he's been rather, people have been kind of surprised at some of the things he's affirmed in recent opinions. I, I'm not remembering anything off the top I'm of my head. I'm wondering if but, he's feeling like all of the goodies he got don't stack up to the ones that his other justice friends got. <laughs> so I, he's I, like, I I'm not going to do what I told you I was going to do because you didn't buy me at such a high a price as you did these other guys. I, 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 don't, I don't know, but he's in for some surprises. We're, also, right now, Mars is square um, Uranus, uh, and I'm wondering. And Mars is opposing his son as yeah. I speak, so that's provocative. We would expect him to act. So, so Kavanaugh is is a bit of a wild card. He's either going to be disrupted, or he will be disruptive, and perhaps it will be a little bit of both. As he, as he asserts his independence, especially with his second Saturn return, where he maybe throws off a mantle of responsibility he doesn't want to carry around anymore. We'll see. Okay. So I'm going to say this because I said I was going to say it because we talked about it last time. Last okay. time we recorded this, um, we were recording it on the day where they had not yet discovered that the Titan submersible was lost and it has since been lost. So we're updating everybody on that, that that is what happened. And it was interesting that they determined, talking about planetary patterns, that they determined that what happened to that vessel was a catastrophic pressure implosion with Pluto at the very end of Capricorn. Yeah, talk about pressure. I mean, Pluto, yeah, 
Wow. Uh, and there was and, a lot of Mars square Uranus. So yeah, an explosion kind of implosion and then Mercury square Neptune, Neptune involved means, you know, like sea ocean, what the hell's happening here? Right. And the g- captain of the Titan, whose last name was Rush and he's an Aries and he was like, Hey, we can do this with duct tape. No problem. It's going to be great. Overconfidence pioneering for sure, but a bit reckless. Let's look at one more international story and then let's hear what we have to look forward to planetarily in the coming week. Russia, Russia, Russia. Okay. You know, and it was, I mean, I can't believe it's been like six days. Friday night, as Mars is about to upo- square Uranus. So, so we're expecting some, we're expecting the weekend, last weekend with Neptune, square Mercury, we are expecting bewildering spin. I said it was going to be a great weekend for music. We had some terrific headlines about music that you can read about in my forecast. But with this Mars Uranus square buzzing in the background, this potential for a rebellion, something reckless, something startling. And Friday night in the East Coast, all of a sudden, we're reading in the headlines, and was around. I, I was on Twitter. It was like close to midnight. Um, the mercenaries are marching. They've taken over a city called Rostov in Russia, and 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 over the next twenty four hours, the mercenaries are marching towards Moscow, and people were thinking, "Is this the end of Vladimir Putin? Is is his regime going to fall?" Of course, now it just feels like Wednesday because it didn't it didn't happen, right? But what the heck was that? That was yeah. what the heck was. So what that? was it planetarily? What was it? So planetarily, you have well, it was the, this bizarre. Well, I thought it was interesting because, um, I hope I pronounced this man's name correctly. Yevgeny Prigozhin. Yevgeny Prigozhin. Prigozhin, thank you. The head of the mercenary Wagner group that's been uh, Va- fighting Va- the, Wagner. the Wagner, the well, Wagner for the Germans, but yeah, Wagner, Wagner. Where Americans would say Wagner, Wagner. But they don't. They say Wagner. It is actually Wagner. I haven't heard anybody call it Wagner. So. Whatever. So Wagner here, who actually, this guy, uh, Prigozhin, before he ran this mercenary group, was known for founding an internet troll farm in Russia, which was responsible for pumping out a tremendous amount of disinformation in the 2016 election. So that's what that's one of his past. And I think he also was a chef. I mean, it's like this guy. He's a Gemini. So he's got a lot of, you know, multi-talented well, You know, skills. Zelensky was a comedian. So, <laughs> But with a law degree. So go figure. All right. These, these multi-talented people. But anyway, so... Um, he had been quoted in April and May during the eclipses, the solar eclipse in April and the lunar eclipse in May, as whinging about, well, there's a lack of ammunition. Why is there a shortage here? This is, he was trash talking, you know, this is bad. We don't have enough things that we need to do our job. And it was interesting to be reminded of that while he's, marching towards Moscow with plenty of ammunition, apparently. Because what happens 
what we see often in an eclipse is that things are going on in plain sight, but you don't see them. And so they were saying, well, maybe he was stockpiling instead of complaining that there was a shortage. What if he was complaining there was a shortage of ammunition, but he was actually stockpiling it because he didn't just wake up. (sighs) (laughs) He just didn't wake up last week and thought, I think we're going to march to Moscow. I mean, they had to have some planning going on. This guy, I think we think he has moon and Capricorn. So this guy is not just going to spontaneously do something. There was a plan. how, how, How does this play out in Putin's chart? I'm curious. Okay, so what happened was, so he's marching on Moscow and everybody's wondering, is he going to fall? Is he going to fall? And then all of a sudden, it's like, nope, okay, we're 125 miles or however however far away from Moscow. We turn around, we go home now. I'm getting on a plane and I'm going to go to Belarus. And what happened to Putin? I want to, I don't care about Okay, so guy. what happened to Putin? Because I, I have to stop looking at, okay, so I have to stop looking at Brett Kavanaugh's chart and then pull up Putin's so I can tell you, because he's here, Putin. Um, so mm-hmm. Putin, I think his, it's, it's, it's not a confirmed birth time, but gosh, it certainly works awfully well. Putin has a midheaven in this October 7th, 935 AM chart, 1952 in St. Petersburg. He has a midheaven of 22 degrees Leo with Pluto sitting right on top of it. So this guy is just beaming power. He is the embodiment of power and control. And he also has a Scorpio ascendant in this chart. Um, But I thought that him collapsing at this time would be premature because Uranus is going to make three squares if this is the correct chart, but it's definitely going to hit as Pluto. Uranus is going to make three hits to this midheaven in Pluto between now and next year, with the first one is imminent. And he has another pattern between Pluto and the ascendant that's going to be exact in August, which suggests a potential dramatic transformation of personal projection. So I thought that, oh, this is kind of exciting that they're marching towards Moscow, but it seems too soon. So when do you think things are going to collapse onto? Well, I mean, we have to watch this Uranus cycle play out, and that's not going to happen. Let me just pull up the transits here. I mean, the first hit, I mean, if if we want to just... put some dates in the calendar and go, all right, let's see where we are on X date. So the first hit of Uranus to the midheaven is July 22nd, and it's also going to square Pluto. So we know it's going to square Pluto because it doesn't matter if the birth time, as long as the birth date is correct, it's going to square Pluto. And whenever you have Uranus, the energy of change, making a dramatically tense contact with Pluto, you have the potential for the tables turning over. The image that my teacher, one of my teachers used to give is it's Jesus turning the tables over in the temple. It's that kind of upheaval. So we might look to Vladimir Putin's life and see where he's at at the end of July and also in mid-August when he'll have this Pluto pattern on his ascendant. And then we want to go, all right, fine. So that's hit one. So then we're going to take it to the second hit, which is the end of September, first week in October. Let's see what's going on there. And then, you know, to drive the point home, that happens 
in May of 2024. So things happen. They're, they're pro- it's a process. And I saw that in so many, I wish I'd like pulled them to refer to them for our chat today with people saying, you know, it's a process. Things don't, it's like, like Jennifer Rubin, the call, op-ed columnist for the Washington Post was, I can't remember what she was talking about, uh, but she was saying something to the effect of, you know, it seems like it takes forever and ever and ever, and then something happens and it's done. Right. And then all of a sudden- it's, and all of a sudden, it, it, you know, she's and, talking about and, change. Change seems to yeah. happen very slowly, and then all of a sudden, it changes. Right, and and if she had any faith in astrology, which I doubt she does, um, she would appreciate that we can track this kind of, you know, these knocks on the door because we see that something is going to hit, something is going to this this opportunity for change is going to hit three times over a year, and by the end of that that those three hits, well, it should have been resolved. Or something is eclipsed, like uh, Putin, for example, if this is his correct chart, his ascendant is three degrees Scorpio, which was my eclipsed. Personal, yeah, my what? personal experience with eclipses is that they are the most exquisite timing tool. Uh-huh. Yeah. So Putin's ascendant would have been eclipsed in October of 2022, and it will be eclipsed again because there will be an eclipse at the end of October this year at five degrees of Scorpio Taurus, which will activate very sensitive parts of his horoscope. So we could we could see a sudden change soon, like within the year, perhaps. Yeah. yeah. Well, that'll be interesting in the context of the upcoming U.S. elections. I would say mm. coming up yeah. in 2024. Yeah, I know. Which, what are which they, reminds what are... me, I did want to mm. say one thing before you give us the planetary patterns to keep an eye on for next week. Yeah. You know, we one of our the key to our mission is to help people realize that they're being manipulated all the time by information that's being just blasted at them from corporate media in particular. And one of the things that um, I've noticed and I saw pointed out in a couple of different places that are not mainstream media, but various um, newsletters that I read is the number of times that in the media, there are references to how old Biden is. It's almost 600 times by this one person's count Mm -hmm. um, over the course of just the month of June. So, you know, and we're not even out of the month of June. We almost are. But whereas Biden is only three years older than Trump is in Mm -hmm. demonstrably better health. And yet the number of times that um, the mainstream media has referred to Trump's age is 57, 57 Mm -hmm. times versus nearly 600. You know, who knows who's got the more sound ticker, but, you know, pound for pound, uh, Biden looks a lot healthier. (laughs) But the point is, if you are not really paying attention to that, You'll start to hear, you'll start to be mesmerized, hypnotized into thinking. And I'm not, this is actually not a plug for Biden. It's an example of how a pertinent fact to the upcoming election is not being fairly represented. And so it's up to us as the electorate to not just be consumers of media, but to be citizens who pay attention and use our own powers of observation. And if you're looking for a sound, healthy president, you can decide for yourself. You don't need the media to remind you over and over and over and over. You can figure yeah. it out that one is 80 and one is 77. So what are the planetary patterns for next week? We have a full moon on, Jan- uh, on January. You see, I'm talking about Neptune. We have a full moon on July 3rd. 
It's Christmas in July um, at 12 degrees of Capricorn. And of course, we have July 4th. So the U.S. will have a solar return, which I have not looked at yet, uh, because all I care about with the United States is we haven't finished our Pluto return yet. And that's going to be very obvious when we get to the fall of this year. The only exact patterns we have among the planets involve Mercury. Mercury is going to sextile. There's going to be a harmonious, cooperative connection with Uranus, and then it will try Neptune, and it will almost oppose Pluto. So it's 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 going to be a week of information in the aftermath in the aftermath of the full moon, and it will be the last week of Mars in my favorite sign of Leo. And as it goes through the last degrees of Leo, when a planet is in the last few degrees of a sign, it can take on an urgent quality. It's at a crisis point because it knows it only has so many hours or days to get its agenda done. And as Whitney knows, I love to say, and quote Grant Louie, this old-time astrologer, that Mars and Leo likes to get away with murder, or it can get away with murder. And as it goes through the back degrees of Leo, it will be activating um, Donald Trump's chart in multiple ways. And so I expect that we will be hearing a lot from him next week, even more provocative than he's already been. And Venus is going, is in shadow now. She's about to go retrograde, and she's going to come right up to his ascendant. And then turn around and go back through um, Leo and revisit all kinds of degrees where things have been happening uh, concurrent with his arraignment and so many other things that we can look forward to finding out more information about as Venus returns to go see what else was going on. Well, thank you for that heads up. And I think that that does it for this episode. And I want to thank our audience for trusting us because we do our best to meet your needs as a responsible citizen who lives in a democracy. And we hope that we help you not have your mind controlled or pull you off the truth of who you are. Because we like to think of our audience as free thinkers, and we want to offer you the means to achieve that kind of liberation. And I I just would like to note, for us, it's not about politics, or at least for me, I don't want to speak for you, Elizabeth, but maybe you would agree. It's not really about politics. It's always about power. The, the stars are showing yeah. where the power struggles are going to be, not the politics. Yes, yes, anyway. yes, yes. So for us to continue doing this, we need your support. There are a number of ways in which you could do that. One is to become a paid subscriber. Another is to share us with others. You could give a gift subscription or you could just forward your email that the link to the podcast comes in and um, you could also comment. So these are ways that you can help to build the community and to support us in this work. You can learn more by going to ensold.substack.com, E-N-S-O-U-L-E-D, ensold.substack.com. Well, that does it for episode 42. I'm Whitney McKnight, publisher of News from the Unsold Universe and Documental, Mapping the American States of Mind. Both are on Substack and you can search for either publication title or my name and my name has a K, McKnight with a K. McKnight with a K and read her essay about the cherry tree. Oh, thank you. That's on Documental. I'm also the producer of this podcast and Elizabeth Grace writes a weekly forecast tracking what she calls the astonishing synchronicities between planetary patterns and news headlines. And she's been doing it for 15 years now. You can find her at elizabethgrace.com. 
Elizabeth is spelled with an S, not a Z. And by the way, Elizabeth, you keep saying you're going to come over to Substack and you haven't done it yet. So yes, you know why? Because because my webmaster, because my webmaster had a death in the family and he hasn't gotten around to coming back to getting me over there. So but it's on my list of I got to follow up with him this week. I, it is my plan. And I, I even have, I have a title. I mean, you can find me and follow me. It's Why Now News. I, I gave myself a name because I thought it would be fun. So it's Why Now News at Substack. I, and so you could sign up and I will be, I will be sending stuff from there um, in the not too distant future. Okay. Sounds great. So until next time, folks, please keep hope in your heart and do get out there and look up at those amazing stars and planets. Bye. Bye.